This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. In this episode, Sarah is going to be interviewing Sonia Ralston about cargo biking and other such urban adventures. And you live in a city with a family and maybe want to have a car light lifestyle. So Sarah, you don't necessarily have a car light lifestyle currently. I do not. And I'm not entirely sure. I love what we talked about. And I it actually made me want to move more than anything else because I'm just not sure it would work as well. Where I live, partly just for very unpredictable weather reasons, there'd be so many commutes when you're like, well, I can't leave because <laughs> I get struck by lightning. But no, it was super eye-opening, this interview, and I think you're all going to enjoy it. But I thought we could talk about whether we have biking playing a role in our current lives or households. Yeah, well, we own bikes for all of us. And, you know, at points in the last few years, we have gone on bike rides with all the kids. So Michael and I bike, the older four kids can now bike independently. But for a while we had Alex on what's called a a tag along, which is 
another seat and another wheel that you put on, you kind of take your seat off and hook it on and then put your seat back on. So it's like a three wheel bike with one and you know, they're all in parallel. And the kid can pedal too. And it's actually kind of nice because like you're getting a little boost, you know, like a even if they're only boosting your effort by like 10%, it's more than you would have as opposed to the burly, which is what the little kid would ride in. So that's what Henry would ride in, which is the carrier that goes behind, a, you know, and that's obviously dead weight because the kid isn't pedaling anything. But yeah, so we would go with five older bike, five people biking, one tagging along on the back, one in the burly. We make for quite a little procession when we do. We have to take two cars when we do this because they don't all fit on one car. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's kind of an ordeal, which is one reason we haven't done it in a while. But maybe we will. Maybe we can convince everyone to, to do it. I think the older kids have started to beg off some of it that maybe they'd be willing to go on their own biking somewhere. So we have to figure that one out. Yeah, some sort of biking adventure trip might be appealing. So we also all have bikes. Genevieve does not ride by herself yet without training wheels. I'm like really awaiting that to happen. I think it will be soon. She's five and a half. We had varying, a lot of variants in the ages of the kids learning to do this. Cameron was by far the quickest at four. He was like, I'm done. I'm fine. See ya. And everyone else is taking their time. But actually, Josh and Cameron go mountain biking fairly frequently. Like they go on these crazy trails or on the quote unquote velodrome where we live. So there is biking happening. And we have definite family fantasies of someday doing some sort of like curated biking centric trip, like going to Vermont and like staying at like a and b and then like doing little biking adventures or something like that. So, hey, if you have wrecks for such a such a thing, let me know. Biking plays a role in a lot of the kids who go to the elementary school right near where we live because there's a terrible car line and yet the bike line is super quick. So in the months when the weather's good, there are lots and lots of kids that bike to school. And I think it's actually much, much more efficient for their families, um, whether the parents go with them, with the younger kids, or whether it's fourth and fifth graders, you know, just going themselves. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Bikes are great. I say so I've taken two longer bike trips. One was a trip through the Loire Valley in France, where we would bike between wineries and castles and other such things. That was with one of REI's subcontractors or whatever. Of course, I realized once I did that, that um, REI was contracting with local bike tour companies. And so you could just try to find local bike tour companies. And so when Michael and I went to Vietnam in the fall of 2005, I want to say, we did a bike trip through there and saw a lot of villages and, and cool things like that and just hired a local company to take us around. And they did the same trip that any of the big tour operators would have done and at a much more affordable rate. So, you know, I'll give that tip to look into for, for people uh, who are considering it. Google lets you find anything these days. <laughs> totally cool. Well, Sonia is going to really teach us some of the practical ins and outs of how you might make biking kind of a more central part of your family's everyday lifestyle. So I think this will be a really useful conversation for a lot of us. All right. I am here with Sonia Ralston, who is an attorney based in DC. And she sent an email that both Laura and I like instantly wrote each other. We, we get a few pitches, but this one we were both really, really excited about. And interestingly, Sonia suggested we talk to an expert and we were both had the exact same reaction, which is like, no, we want to talk to her <laughs> because her story of how she got into biking with her family, I think is going to be as informative or more informative than hearing some biking expert talk about it in theory. So I will stop talking now. And Sonia, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? 
Hi, Sarah. Yeah, I'm Sonia Rolson. I'm an attorney for the federal government. I live on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and I have two kids who are almost six and three and a half. Excellent. And so this story begins. Actually, we have something in common. We both spent time at Duke, but you said that you did not have biking as much of a part of your life when you were there. When did you first get into biking to begin with? So when I was a kid, I actually biked everywhere. I biked five miles to high school every day and back, which was great exercise. And then not so much when I was in college and law school. But then when I moved to DC, we had just gotten the bike share and I started biking to work pretty regularly because it was just more convenient than the bus from where I lived. And I did that. We moved and it was so convenient. I did that off and on for, you know, five or six years. And then when I got pregnant, I had to stop. And so I had this like hiatus of being pregnant, having a baby, and then we just didn't bike very much. And then in the pandemic, you know, I had my younger child turned one and we really wanted to like go out more. You had one of those trailers that you pull behind a bike and we would use that and it worked pretty well. But we don't have a garage. We live in a row house. And so it was like a pain to you have to like collapse it down and then kind of stow it somewhere. And so it's like a, a whole five minute up and down each time you want to use it, which with little kids, like they by the time you got it up, they were like halfway down the street. And so a colleague of mine was commuting to work and dropping her kids at school on a cargo bike. And I was really intrigued and I talked to her about it and did a lot of research and then we bought one. And so that was in August of 2021 when we were really facing the like having to get our older daughter to school. She started pre-K at the public school. It's about a mile from our house, which is a little too far to, to walk like efficiently. And the like the one-way streets and the traffic was really bad, so it didn't make sense to drive, and there's no bus route. And she couldn't ride a bike by herself at that time, so we decided to go with the cargo bike. All right, I have so many questions before I let you keep yes. going. My first question is, when you said bike share, do you mean like a city bike type of a situation? Yes. Okay. So yeah, they call it capital bike share here. Got it. Okay, so a bike that you can borrow and then put back, and you you pay for it as you go. My second question is because I actually don't know the rules on this, because I never had to ask. It didn't apply to me. What are the rules around or the suggestions around biking in pregnancy? Do you know? Yeah, this just that you're not bike when you're pregnant. Biking in the same category with skiing and other things where you might essentially fall and sustain an impact injury. It's probably overly cautious, but I don't know. No, I get it. I wouldn't <laughs> ski when I was when, well pregnant. I mean personally. And I did run while pregnant and I did fall while running while pregnant and still ran with subsequent pregnancies, but it is probably overall a much lower risk activity compared to biking, which still isn't high risk, but just the chances of taking like what would be a mild tumble that would be more catastrophic. Okay. I get it. I was just curious whether there were like official recommendations as to like which trimesters, et cetera. So basically if you can avoid it, don't do much biking while pregnant. Okay. And then my third extremely ignorant question is and this is for the listeners as well. What exactly is a cargo bike? I'm so glad you asked. So a cargo bike is like a regular bike, but bigger. 
and there are kind of two main types. There's a, a kind of European style that has a basket in the front that is either still a two wheel or sometimes a three wheel bike with like two wheels in the front and one in the back. And the, that's called a box bike. And then there's a mid tail or long tail bike, which is what we have, where the back part of the bike is just longer. So the wheelbase between the two wheels is longer than on a traditional bike. And that space is then taken up with, you have a longer chain, a longer distance between the pedals and the rear wheel. And there's a big space at the back where you put like a rack and then some, you know, various accessories that you can put on it. And the difference between a mid tail and a long tail is just how much longer it is. Got it. Okay. And logistically with the cargo bike, where and how exactly did the kids go? So the kids go in the back. If you have a box bike, they go in the box, but we have the long tail. And so they go on the back. We have a, a rack on the, the top of the metal, and then it has padded seats on it. And then there are little like bars that come out at the bottom, little like footrest pads. And then there's a, a cage, essentially, they call it. Ours is called a hoopty. On some, they call it monkey bars. But it's a, essentially a metal handrail box that goes around the kids so that they don't fall out. Fall off. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So they're like riding almost like a little carriage or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of like riding in a like amusement park ride. Totally. <laughs> Hands and arms inside the box. Do they enjoy it? Like, do they have fun in it? I mean, the novelty probably has worn off at this point. I think they enjoy it. I think they, so they certainly enjoy it a lot more than the trailer. They didn't like being in the trailer because it's low to the ground. You can't really see anything. And in the, on the cargo bike, they can see everything. It's like being out in the world. And so they really enjoy that. My son right now is really into Volkswagen Beetles. And so every time we see one, mama bug. And he's just like so excited about it. But like, that's something that you couldn't do in the trailer. Also, we'd be too far away and I couldn't hear him. So it works out really well. So you can actually hear them. They can talk back to you while you're, oh, that's really cool. How do you feel about the safety? Do you feel, and is there data on that? I'm sure you've probably looked at this. Yeah. So I don't know that there's specific data on cargo bikes versus like biking in general, but where we live in DC is one of the top five cities in the US for bike safety. We have a lot of bike infrastructure and more every day. And I think it's one of the great things about getting more families involved in biking is that the more people who are bike riders, the more bike infrastructure there gets to be because the more of us. And we have a lot of protected bike lanes here where the lanes are set off from the traffic by stanchions or pillars or sometimes even between the curb and the parking lane, which is really quite safe. And so that's really nice. On the kind of bike that we have, it rides just like a regular bike. So it doesn't take any getting used to. The one we have, we chose because it has a smaller rear wheel. And so the center of gravity is a little lower, which makes it when the kids kind of wiggle around, you're not falling over. <laughs> so it's a little more stable. I think it is as safe as riding on a regular bike. And that depends, obviously, on your comfort zone. But here in DC, at least, I feel really safe about it because we do have such good infrastructure. 
I could see that. And in terms of like safety equipment, obviously you're wearing a helmet as the rider. Are the kids generally helmeted up too? Yes, you're nodding. Yes, <laughs> yes. We all wear helmets and we have, that's pretty, and lights, we have lights on the bike. So the helmets and the lights, that's kind of our safety equipment and a bell. But otherwise we have kind of weather equipment. So we kind of invested in some more warm weather, athletic wear, the same kind of things you would wear to go running in the winter. We have to ride on the bike in the winter. So we also have some like toasty gloves that keep your hands both flexible and warm, which is nice. And then some lightweight rain gear. You know, we don't bike when it's pouring, but if it's just a drizzle, we'll still go that way. Makes sense. And then, so tell me, take me on a journey, because I'm also curious, like, yeah, like, tell me how it, how it is getting out the door. And then also when you get to your destination, how do you store your bike, lock it safely, et cetera. So take me on a bike ride. We do this every morning. We out the door just as you would if you were going in a car, except the kids put on their helmets. And we go to the bike. We seat on the back has like a front and a back and the kids both prefer to sit in the front. So we alternate days about whose day it is to sit in the front. And they just hop on. They can at this point both climb on themselves. So sometimes they like a little rocket ship, you know, ride up. Love it. And then we ride, our bike now has an electric motor on it. It didn't when we bought it, but I converted it to have an electric e-assist, which our commute home from downtown goes up Capitol Hill, which is kind of steep. But that makes it a lot easier to kind of like stay with the flow of traffic and the small places where we have to be on the road and also to arrive at work, like not sweaty when it's 90 degrees. But then we just, you know, we set off. It's eight minutes from our house to the school. You know, we just kickstand the bike in front of the school and hop the older one off and in she goes. We attach the helmets onto the cage in the back so they don't have to carry them around all day. And then it's down Capitol Hill to the daycare, which is another about 12 or 15 minutes. Lock it up to a a street post outside the daycare and drop off the little one. And then ride over to our office, which is essentially one block away from the daycare. Our office building has a parking garage in the basement that is only, you can only park your car there if you are a very fancy high up person in our department, but you can park your bike there no matter who you are. And so there's some bike racks and we just park there. One thing about cargo bikes is they're a little bit bigger. I mean, they're they're definitely bigger and they're also wider with the cages than a traditional bike. So I actually don't park in the the bike rack proper. I just park it next to the rack and lock the wheel. I figure if we have people stealing things out of our government garage, we have bigger problems. (laughs) Out of the corporate garage with the fancy people, you're like, okay, you must have needed it that bad. I get it. Okay. That's funny. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga, along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. 
When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving. And according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide, May 31st. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Thrive Cosmetics. I am a speed demon when it comes to my makeup routine. I have approximately five minutes, or maybe three, between showering and starting my routine of getting the kids out the door for school. And so I'm always looking for products to keep things super streamlined and easy for my everyday look. Thrive Cosmetics for years has been part of that. I've discussed the Brilliant Eye Brightener before, which is a serious workhorse for making me look more awake. But lately, I'm also super into their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's a tubing mascara that lengthens lashes and is super easy to remove as well, which is key because my makeup removal routine is just as streamlined. You can feel great about shopping at Thrive because for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. So refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash bestof. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash bestof, B-E-S-T-O-F, for 10% off your first order. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and Roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. So tell me more about the e-assist feature. How easy is it to like add on to an existing bike? And like, how easy does it make your ride? Like, are you like zero effort? Can you like decide to turn it off if you want exercise? Tell me more about the e-assist. Yeah, so there's different kinds. I think if you're looking to buy a new cargo bike, most of the options you'll find are e-assist in one way or the another, because most cargo bikes are really heavy. They're usually about 70 pounds, which is more than twice a regular bike. There are some lighter weight ones. We just got a second non-e-assist one that's really light that doesn't need that. But I will say it was not the easiest thing I have ever done, but YouTube videos are amazing and you can find one to instruct you on how to do anything. And so it was a couple of specialized tools to take apart the bottom bracket of the bike, which is the axle that holds the pedals together. And from there, it just kind of clips in. And the one we have is a pure assist, whereas there are some others that have 
like a throttle, which is more like a motorcycle that you can kind of rev it up even if you're not pedaling. Ours only amplifies your pedal. And so it rides very smoothly. It rides just like a regular bike. You just go faster for the amount of effort you're putting in. Awesome. And you can turn it off. You can turn it. It has like nine levels. You can turn it all the way up. I don't think I've ever ridden with it all the way up. I usually have it at like level two. But you can turn it all the way off if you want to like really power it through. It adds between the battery and the motor about 10 pounds to the bike. So between the 70 pounds that it started with and plus two kids, you know, you're up to several hundred pounds of stuff that you're moving around. So by that point, you need the e-assist. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so cool. I want to ask about cost. How expensive? I think I've read that these are fairly expensive. Obviously not car level, but give us some numbers. Yeah. So I think you hit on it that whether it's expensive or cheap depends on what you're comparing it to. And if you think of it as a replacement for a second car, it's super cheap. A new bike will run about $2,000 to like $5,000, maybe a little more once you get the accessory package, depending on how fancy a brand you go with. We've bought two now that were both less than $1,000 used. They're most places, including here, and I think a lot of other places have a, a family biking Facebook group, which is a great way to find a bike and find people who are also into this. People are really excited about it. And so there's no problem getting somebody to like let you trust ride their bike if you're trying to figure out which kind is right for you. People are very generous. So that works out well. Oh, that's awesome. What about the e-assist? Does that add additional cost? Yeah. So I think it for the places where you can buy a new one optional, the e-assist is about $1,000 more. When we added it ourselves, it was about $700 to get what we wanted. I will say that all in, I think, the bike, the e-assist, the gear, the accessories, the, even we got new helmets, like less than we would pay for a year of parking in downtown. Wow. Oh my God. All of a sudden I'm, I'm like parking. What? And then I realized, yes, people who live in cities have to pay for parking. <laughs> right. Obviously I don't. So I don't think about that, but yes, I've, that's a huge expense. I thought you were going to say gas or car payments or something like that. So, I mean, it could be a huge savings. Yeah. I mean, on an ongoing basis, it's certainly less than that too. And we, we have a car that we drive when we go further places, but when we're going anywhere in like in the city, we ride the bike mostly. We ride to the ballpark. We like to go to baseball games. We ride, there are like two dozen playgrounds within a 10 minute bike ride of our house, which our kids really love. We ride to the Smithsonian, we ride to the library, we ride um, to swimming pool. <laughs> we can go lots of places. Have you ever ended up like stranded somewhere because there was like a lightning storm and you didn't want to ride back? No, there was one time when we were riding home and the chain on the bike broke at the bottom of Capitol Hill. Of course, at the bottom, right? <laughs> of course, at the bottom. Oh, my goodness. And how did you handle it? Well, we just got off and walked. I mean, it's kind of like a broken escalator, right? It still works. So my son rode on the back and I walked the bike up the hill and it was a little slow. But we made it. And then I learned how to fix a bike chain on YouTube. <laughs> Have you become pretty good at other parts of upkeep and maintenance? 
I think so. I mean, we certainly, we still have it serviced about once a year just to make sure everything's tip top, but the general maintenance is really easy. Just some chain lube and check the tires like once a month. And otherwise, I've replaced the chain and we've added the lights and, but it's, none of it's super complicated. One last very bike centric question, which is, have you ever taken the bikes on vacation? We have. So we are actually going on vacation next week to the Outer Banks, North Carolina. And we take our bikes to um, go from our beach house to the beach, which is about three quarters of a mile. So you could walk it. It's not unwalkable, but with our kids, you know, the first year we went, we pulled them in a wagon and that got really tiresome. So now with the bikes, we just kind of load up and two minutes later, we're there and we kind of lock the bikes together, the boardwalk and it hasn't been a problem. That one thing I will say about that is that if you want to take the bike with you, the full like heavy cargo bikes are too heavy to carry on a rear mounted rack. If you have like a tow hitch rack, they can ride on that, but on a, the kind that just like clips onto the rear trunk of your car, they're too heavy for that. So Wow. So you have the other kind, the yeah. tow hitch? Okay. Oh, and- no, we have, we have a lighter bike. Oh, so we have a, okay. That can go on the thing. Got it. So you brought your lighter bikes on the trip. Yeah. So that's what we did this year. Last year, we brought the, we still have the, the pull behind trailer. So last year, we brought the trailer. Wow. So there is like, I feel like the intimidating part to me isn't the actual riding, although that's probably a learning curve in and of itself, but it's like, it's like the gear. But at the same time, once you start doing it, it's like, you're just adding on and you get used to it and it's doable. And it sounds like it's been a source of like joy as well as convenience for you guys. It's great. I mean, you get outside, you get exercise, fresh air, you can go anywhere, no traffic, no parking, no waiting in the carpool line. (laughs) You just zip right up to the front and you're good. That's pretty amazing. All right. Well, we're going to include our always listener favorite regular people segment, Day in the Life. So take us through a little bit what a day in the life looks like in your household. And you can include any related bike type stuff because I know that does fit into your everyday life. It is. So on a typical school day, we are up. Our kids get up at actually, I have no idea what time because they very mercifully stay in their rooms until 7.30, at which time I come get them ready. My husband makes breakfast. We eat about eight o'clock and then Sometimes there's a little more playtime and otherwise we're kind of getting ready with our shoes and sunscreen and everything to get out the door. We leave at 8.35 for our bike ride, usually at the office at about 9, and then work until 5.15, do it backwards and pick them up before aftercare closes at 6. My husband usually makes dinner, so he has that on the table when we get home. We eat about six and then the kids play for yeah, 20 minutes or so. And we start our bedtime. Our daughter, we stagger it. So the little one goes to bed about 7.15 and our daughter is lights out at eight. And then we go to bed pretty early, like <laughs> nine thirty. I hear you. I'm so, with you. Yeah, it's it's not real complicated. 
but it works for us. It sounds lovely. And I love that the bikes are just now like taken for granted. It's just like part of your normal routine. Well, thank you so much for coming on and teaching everybody about cargo bikes and e-assist bikes and how we can work bikes into our urban lifestyle to make things not only more cost-effective and environmentally friendly, but perhaps easier and fun too. So I really loved learning about this and I'm trying to figure out how, well, we have bikes, but we need to use them more, more as transportation and not just as recreation. So I'm inspired by this episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Sonia. My pleasure. I also have a love for you. Yes, I was just going to say, except I forgot to ask you for love of the week. So what is your love of the week? My love of the week is silicone scar gel tape. What? Tell me about this. So our daughter recently had a crafting accident with some scissors and had to get stitches. But now that she stitches are out, it's healing, but she has a scar. And so we have these, it's like kind of like a bandage, but you can reuse it. It's sticky on the one side and it's silicone and so it goes over the scar and it helps the scar heal and recede and not be so visible i learned about it a couple of years ago when i had a scuba diving accident <laughs> wow i did not know um, about this stuff that is good to know so hopefully guess- it will help her so that she doesn't have a you know long-term scar but that is awesome. I feel like I need to get this. Like you need to order it ahead of time. You don't want to be rushing out to get it like after the injury. So part of me just wants to go straight and get some. I will go with a similarly medical love of the week. I'm glad that the wax that the orthodontist gave out in the 90s is still going strong. <laughs> My kids just both got braces. Annabelle got her second round of braces. Cameron got his first round of braces. And I was like, oh, it's wax. And one of my kids was already needing to use it because those things hurt. And um. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. (laughs) Not a lot seems to have changed, but they'll get through it. Although I feel like the kids wear braces for a lot less time. They sometimes have to do multiple rounds, but kids are not like generally in braces for years and years as they were when I was growing up. So I guess they've made some improvements. (laughs) That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for reminding me about the love of the week. I actually had thought about it just as you were saying it, but we could not leave that out. Sonia, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope that if listeners have questions, they can write them in the show notes and maybe Sonia will make an appearance and answer them. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Stay on. Well, we are back. That was awesome. Learning all about urban living and biking and how the car light lifestyle might actually work when you have kids that you don't necessarily have to move to the suburbs and buy a car if you don't want to, but uh, that you can make it work on on maybe one car or only having a car part of the time if you make use of other things like bikes to transport your kids around. So very cool things to consider there. So today's question comes from a listener who is trying to figure out how to get her four-year-old to take medicine. And uh, this child needs to take, let's say it's antibiotics twice a day or something. And and generally, you know, you want to be positive and praise what works and not what doesn't. But if the kid literally does need to take their medicine twice a day, this is, you know, something you have to deal with. So how do you get young children to take medicine? So Sarah, what, what do you have for us? So we have run into this in the past with various antibiotic concoctions that maybe didn't taste what the kid wanted them to taste like. And our biggest winning strategy has actually been the ice cream chaser. So basically, 
we do tend to explain to the kid exactly what the medicine is for. Obviously, that's not going to work in an 18 month old, but like, I believe this person's child is like almost four. And so they might understand, like explain what an infection is, explain how, you know, if, it, if an infection doesn't get the treatment it needs, then they can get sicker and need worse tasting medicine, you know, make <laughs> tell whatever version you want to tell. But to really explain why this is important and why it's not just for fun or you're not being mean for no reason. But the ice cream chaser has been great, like literally having them pick out whatever kind of ice cream. And then once they've taken, have a spoon of it ready, because the thought is like, they don't like the taste in their mouth, but if they know as soon as they've swallowed it, they can then put like the most delicious flavor, their favorite flavor of ice cream in their mouth right afterwards. For us, that has worked pretty well. And then finally, like there are sometimes, and depending on which pharmacy you're getting at, whether it's pre-mixed versus something they have to make, sometimes there's actually different flavorings they can use and that can make a difference with some kids. So particularly if it's a compounding pharmacy, you might say, you know, I know the standard is like the pink stuff, but is there other flavor options? And definitely if you're able to, maybe have them make a few, make it in a few batches with different flavors and see which one your kid will tolerate. Yeah, I was gonna say they, um the uh, amoxicillin wasn't so bad. The augmentum was much worse. So, you know, not that you want to threaten your kid with that, but if they have to go to the next level of, of antibiotics for the resistant infection, you're, you're not going to be happier. I'll, I'll put that out there. Sometimes there, and this is, this is a little <laughs> bit dire, but like sometimes there is an injectable alternative. Like, I mean, this is specific for like treating ear infections and strep throat, but there are some IM injections that sometimes can sub for a whole round of oral. And I've had some parents actually tell me they prefer that like 30 seconds of pain to, you know, two weeks of like battles. So ask your provider if it really comes to that and you truly can't do it or it's causing hour long battles, find out if there also might be a quick and somewhat painful, but very time limited option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially, because then you have the kids who need to learn to swallow pills, which is also challenging. You know, obviously, very little kids can't really do it. But I've had people talk about, you know, teaching their kids with um, like Tic Tacs, right? That, you know, you have a big bunch of Tic Tacs and like say, can you get it down without chewing it? Can you get it down? We'll sit here with water and just keep trying to learn that skill. I don't remember when I learned to swallow. Yeah, it was, you know, when you start having headaches or something as a teenager and they have to learn to take various things. It's a skill. Taking medicine is a, a life skill. Yeah, it's kind of a survival skill too. So <laughs> important to learn at some point. Important to learn at some point. But yeah, the spoonful of sugar may in fact help help the medicine go down. So I like the ice cream idea. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. Sarah was interviewing Sonia Ralston about the car light lifestyle in the city. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? 
And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.